I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. Have a listen to this very short passage from Matthew's Gospel. Yet again, the Pharisees are sparring with Jesus. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. My daughter is 25 now, but I can still remember when she was starting school and the excitement beforehand of going to buy her school uniform. And I can still remember the shock of receiving the school rules, which I was supposed to read and explain to her before she started, even though she was only four. But an even bigger shock was that all the rules were about behaviour, and none were about learning. It was all, don't do this and don't do that, but nothing about trying your hardest or paying attention. Do you know that the Methodist Church's rule book is over a thousand pages long, but none of the rules are anything to do with God? Moses collected just ten commandments from God, but by the time of Jesus, the Jewish law contained 613 commands, 248 do's, and 365 don'ts. And then along comes Jesus. How many commandments? Just two. Love God. Love your neighbour. Sometimes I wish that the Pharisees had followed up on their first question with a second. How? How should I love God and love my neighbour? And then sometimes I'm glad they didn't. Because what if I'd not liked the answer? Here's three ways that I think we could have a go. Number one, listen. Listening is not as easy as it sounds, because most of us have developed the very bad habit of spending the time while someone else is speaking, not listening to them, but deciding on what we're going to say once they stop. But we have two ears and one mouth, and that's for a reason. People's stories are important. It's vital that we listen to and value them. We have to listen to God too. My only advice there is simply to stop, be still, be quiet, and make the space for God to speak. How can you say that you love someone? if you don't even listen to what they're saying. Number two, take risks. And by that I specifically mean today, have a go at offering invitations. I'll leave it up to you as to what those invitations are. But when you make an invitation, then you are offering something 
and taking a risk that it might be declined. You might feel foolish or embarrassed. You might feel rejected. You become vulnerable. But I think that you'll find that vulnerability is a place where love can grow. And number three, seek justice. Some things are just wrong and we know it. So shouldn't we challenge them, even if they are big and we don't feel like we'll make a difference? How can you say that you love someone if you aren't prepared to challenge the injustice that does them down? So Jesus offers just two commandments, love God and love your neighbour. Simple to say, hard to do, but worth it. Now, let me read you the first part of a letter that Paul wrote to the very early church in Thessalonica. Listen out for how he blesses them, tells them he prays for them, tells them how he can see that they're full of the Holy Spirit, and finally how he rejoices that the way they live their lives is actually spreading the message of God. I, Paul together here with Silas and Timothy, send greetings to the church at Thessalonica. God's amazing grace be with you all. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night you are in our prayers, as we call to mind your work of faith, your labour of love, and your patience of hope in following Jesus Christ. It's clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words, something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated Jesus. Although great trouble accompanied the word, you were able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit, taking the trouble with the joy and the joy with the trouble. Do you know that all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers look up to you. The word has gotten round. Your lives are echoing the Master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. People come up and tell us how you received us with open arms, how you deserted the dead idols of your old life, so you could embrace and serve God, the true God. Now the point I want to make by reading this passage is really very simple. Paul prays for the people of this church in Thessalonica because they're doing God's work. They are loving people and loving God. And in doing so, they are spreading the good news of God. He doesn't pray for them because they're sick or lonely or bereaved. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for the sick or lonely or bereaved. Of course we should. But think for a minute. 
Who do we, who do you pray for? Too often we leave out the people who are doing the loving. And yet everyone needs encouragement. Doing the loving isn't always easy, especially if you're trying to offer love to people you don't like. I've wandered all over the place here. So let me finish by trying to make it all simple. Rules can be helpful, but we need to make sure that we stay focused on the ones that really matter. We can love God and love our neighbour by listening, by taking risks and offering invitations, and by seeking justice. And remember, pray for the people who do, including yourselves. That's it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.